Listening to a podcast that seeks to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. I want to thank you for joining us. I want to invite you to please subscribe to the podcast. And if you can, give us a five-star rating and review if your platform allows for that. So I I have to tell you about something that happened recently, because <laughs> it still leaves me scratching my head. Uh, at a recent art auction in uh, Europe, an Italian artist uh, auctioned off one of his works, and from it he made $18,300, or 15,000 euro. Now this comes to us from Artnet.com. The artist is named Salvatore Garo. He sold a sculpture of um, nothing. You see, the 67-year-old called it quote, an immaterial sculpture, which is to say it doesn't exist. Uh, The artwork titled Lo Sono, which translates to I am in English, uh, apparently finds form in its own nothingness. Here's a quote from him. The vacuum is nothing more uh, than a space full of energy. And even if we empty it, and there was nothing left. According to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, that nothing has a weight. He told this to a Spanish news outlet. Therefore, he says, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles, that is, into us. I know, I know, you're you're asking the same question. I have no idea either is uh, is the answer. Uh, Lo Sono uh, went up for sale uh, in May um, at an Italian auction house. Uh, the pre-sale estimate valued uh, the, the piece between six to nine thousand euro. Uh, but then there was a bidding war. <laughs> there was a, a bidding war for the uh, nothing sculpture. And the price tag ended up at 15,000 euro, or as we said, over $18,000. Now, the lucky buyer, um, he went home with a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> and, wait, it gets better, a set of instructions. Uh, now, see, the work, according to Garo, the artist, must be exhibited in a private house in a roughly five-by-five-foot space, free of obstruction. Uh, When I decide to exhibit, he says, an immaterial sculpture in a given space, that space will concentrate a certain amount and density of thoughts at a precise point, creating a sculpture that, from my title, will only take the most varied forms. After all, don't we shape a god we've never seen? Now, you'll be interested to know that Lo Sono is not the only artwork of its kind uh, by the artist Salvatore Garo. In February of this year, at the Piazza della Scala in Milan, the artist exhibited Buddha in Contemplation. 
uh, a similarly invisible sculpture demarcated by a square of tape on a cobblestoned uh, walkway. Um, you can see it on YouTube. You, 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 we actually have the link in the show notes if you want to if you want to see this amazing <clears throat> sculpture. Uh, meanwhile, just within a week or so ago, uh, he installed Aphrodite Cries in front of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, the effort evidenced by an empty white circle was supposed by the Italian Cultural Institute. Quote, you don't see it, but it exists. It is made of air and spirit, he explained in a uh, video talking about the Milan piece about Buddha. It is a work that asks you to activate the power of the imagination, a power that anyone has, even those who don't believe they have it. Um, okay, well, I, I do have to admit, I'm a little bit torn here. There's a, there's a couple of things warring in my head regarding <laughs> making 18 grand on an invisible sculpture. Uh, the logical side of me goes, huh? Are you kidding? You spent 18 grand for air? Now, the other side, another side of me, this is kind of the capitalist, free market capitalist in me says, hey, look, if you can get someone to believe that hooey and give you 18 grand for it, hey, more power to you. I mean, uh, I would love to, quote, write a book with uh, 300 blank pages in it and say, hey, what do you think the story should be? And, and you know, give me a, uh, an upfront sort of $100,000 for the first printing. <laughs> I mean, it kind of reminds me in the 70s of people who, who bought pet rocks. And there's, you know, somebody, whoever's behind it made a million bucks from it. I mean, I guess you could file it under don't hate the player, hate the game. But the thrust of this podcast is the attempt to bring together the church world and the art world. This is not an easy thing. Some say it is mission impossible, but here I am attempting it. And often on this podcast, if you have listened for any length of time, I do spend a considerable and probably majority amount of my time and effort challenging churches to be more flexible in their approach when it comes to understanding and embracing artists who might be coming to their church. We, we spend a lot of time here uh, trying to inform Christian believers and pastors to give artists a bit more slack because they just think and observe things differently than the rest of the population. So just give them the room to do that, even if it's a little uncomfortable and a little strange and weird. But, Salvatore, can I... Can I just talk to you man-to-man -man right now? Um, you're not helping right now. I just, I know, you're probably not listening. It, most of my friends aren't either. But Salvatore, you're, you're not helping right now. Because when you sell a nothing made of air sculpture and, and you leave a set of instructions on how to display it, I mean... <laughs> 
I try to bend backwards as much as anyone when it comes to art, but there just comes a point when you just have to stand up and say, seriously, it ain't art. Fine. You got 18 grand for absolutely nothing. Don't spend it all in one place. But from my very strange balancing act between church and art world, you're not helping me. I got nothing. Nothing. Just like your sculpture. I have nothing to say to try to defend this. There, there is literally nothing for a blue-collar, nine-to-five laborer, just regular person who's in our church and in our country to put their arms around. I mean, I, I understand going to the contemporary art section of the museum. I know that's challenging enough where two painted squares on a canvas are supposed to convey something. But this isn't even two squares. In New York City, it's a circle on the ground that any one of us could have made. In Milan, it's, it's four stupid pieces of tape on cobblestone. And now it's a sculpture that's nothing. 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 This is like going to a Major League Baseball stadium to watch toddlers play t-ball. No, no, wait, it's worse than that. It's going to a stadium, paying $30 for parking, paying another $30, $40 for one ticket, let alone three or four if you're bringing a family, spending $50 on refreshments for the family, only to watch toddlers play t-ball with no ball and no tea. That's how ridiculous this all is. Only an elitist could call something like this art. This does not help the cause. If I can just redo your sculpture with one visit to a Home Depot, it ain't art, pal. In fact, it's the height of pretension. Now, I was thinking about this. Do you think maybe Salvatore Garo, do you think maybe he goes home after an auction like that? You know, he's he goes to the event and he's all gussied up. He's wearing a, a very expensive suit. He's got his hair all muffed and mushed or whatever they do to look artisty. Uh, he looks very erudite. He, he's perfectly, you know, quaffed and dressed. And, and he gets home. He just found out he made 18 grand for something that could have taken 15 seconds. Do you think maybe he, he gets home and he's all alone and he just breaks out in complete laughter? He goes, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't believe, I can't believe I got away with that. And it's the third time. Seriously, he's got to be laughing at all of us. And he got $18,000 for something with zero sweat equity. Or maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe that's it. I don't know because I, I didn't think of it. No. No, that's not it. No. You see, to me, it demeans the one who actually sculpts. You know what I mean? The one who actually puts her hands in clay and wrestles with it and forms it and shaves it and smooths it and does every and just 
and just everything is all over her because she has been so into it in order to somehow give the world an image to behold. And from there, we can decide what the artist was trying to convey. I don't think I'm being puritanical. I mean, I'm not trying to insist that there should only be one interpretation for everything ever created. All, all I'm saying is just give me something to look at or read or something first. I mean, I, I, I want to see the product of your labor. I just think it's an insult to artists who actually use their eyes, their voice, and their hands to bring something we can behold and then consider. Something like an invisible sculpture only confirms all the misconceptions people have about artists. To me, it's akin to us church folks trying to recruit every artist in order to vote Republican. I mean, it just plays into every single stereotype. And yeah, I understand the whole, yeah, man, it's whatever you think it is, you know, school of art. But when there's no it, I think we've kind of crossed a line. So please, artists, I beg of you, please don't monetize laziness and call it art. And if for some reason you do decide to go that route and you make some money, you know what? At least tithe on it. Wanna know your voice. Wanna know your voice. When you're calling me in the middle of the storm. See you first.
I want to thank Dalton Reese. Um, he was a, an artist spotlight on this episode. Uh, that is his album and song. The song and the album are both called Author of My Story. Dalton is spelled D-A-U-L-T-O-N, and Reese is with an S, R-E-E-S-E. And you can find him at InnovateRecords.com, InnovateRecords.com. He's on all the streaming services. Uh, check out his work. I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Well, I found it interesting that Salvatore Garreau called his invisible sculpture, I Am. I'm sure there's an obvious religious tie-in here. We haven't seen God, so in a sense we can visually make him whatever we want, hence the quote-unquote sculpture. To me, this is me giving him <laughs> maximum benefit of the doubt, unlike in segment one. So in our world of my truth and your truth, where everyone's opinions and observations are equally as valid, we have to understand in Christ that we cannot leave the Lord relegated to, yeah, man, he's whatever you think he is. I mean, I think that's where we go awry. And, and that sort of false kind of spiritualism uh, shows up and unfortunately has really penetrated uh, the church. We've substituted Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, to us saying, hey, man, you do you. We can spend hours uh, conjecturing on the motives and the meetings behind an invisible five-by-five five sculpture, but when it comes to the living God, the rules are far different. In Acts 17, Paul finds himself in the city of Athens. Now, the Athenians thought themselves to be the most intelligent people in the world. And for many, their daily routine was just to sit around and discuss philosophy uh, and ideas. So Paul, who's seen as this kind of crazy outsider from somewhere else in the world, he is given an audience with what's called the Areopagus. The Areopagus was actually a rock outcropping outside of Athens, and it's uh, still there to this day. But the Areopagus was also uh, a council. It was a, an aristocratic council of Athens, kind of made up of people from varying philosophies and beliefs. So he is actually, I don't know if he was actually at the rock formation, but he is going to bring the gospel to this council, because that's what Paul did. And he stood before kings and princes and just regular folks, and he knew how to bring the gospel to every audience that he went to. It really uh, strikes me how so many in, uh, in the world today fashion themselves almost as these same people. Um, sometimes the most intelligent people are the most spiritually ignorant. It happens so often. They've, they've all had enough education to make them dangerous. So now here's how Paul utilizes uh, this opportunity. I'm going to read... Uh, about 11, 12 verses here from Acts 17. This starts at verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, 
to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I will proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. That's a really powerful story in Scripture. Paul here specifically mentions a pagan altar in the city that he saw, and it had the inscription, To the Unknown God. So what's that, what's that about? What, what are the Athenians doing here? I think they're just covering their spiritual bases. You know, in case there was some God they missed, there was some God they had never heard of and, and thus failed to honor, and now that God would not pour out judgment upon them for not bringing him or her the proper worship. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a few friends I've known over the years who went to Mass one day and then went to a Protestant service another day that week trying to kind of cover their spiritual bases. So, you know, in a sense, Paul is now going to describe the invisible sculpture that he knows they are reaching for, whether they realize it or not. He is telling them that this God is the creator, the maker of everything everywhere. And I love that he says, I don't know if you caught this, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Keep in mind, he's saying this to a group of unbelievers, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. He tells them not to think of him being an image of gold or silver or bronze or the result of an artist's creation. He challenges his audience to repent, to turn away from their sin, because judgment is coming in the person of, namely his son, who was raised from the dead. So you see, though God is invisible, though he is spirit, he wants to be known. 
He wants to be known by us since he's not far from any of us. God didn't want us to only have a five by five foot space in which to fit him and picture him because he is so much larger and much more complex than that. And yeah, while there is an intended air of mystery, since we really can't fully know God until we're, we're with him forever, he, he doesn't totally leave it up to us to decide who he is either. That's when we get into trouble. So I know I have to explain artists to church folks often, but I think going the opposite direction might be helpful here. I think one of the things we love as artists is creating something in which people can see and interpret different things. Uh, 10 people could watch a film and come away with 10 different messages. Um, the, the same, you know, when I preach somewhere, the Holy Spirit will individually and prophetically speak a message to everyone in the room that's hearing and listening to walk away with something. Uh, I love looking at a, a painting or a sculpture or watching a play or listening to a concerto and discerning the artist's reasons behind making that. And all of that is wonderful. All of that, I think, is necessary. But there are some core key questions to which there are not multiple answers. And as believers, it's important to create art maybe as breadcrumbs that invariably lead to the throne of God. You know, there was something that Paul mentioned in that scripture uh, that I absolutely loved when he talked about people feeling their way toward him in order to find him. I think that's what we're talking about. We want to create art that brings that about, that can grab someone um, by the lapels and say, come on, follow, see where this goes, see where this leads. I don't think it's a, it's a two by four from which we hit people in the head and we yell, turn or burn. As Christians, we want to do our best to not have our viewers or our readers or our listeners to create God in their own interpretation. Now, again, you can use your imagination to maybe picture how he looks. I think that's pretty cool, whatever. And, and that can really help you to seek his face in a way and to make a deeper attachment. But artists, here's what church people fear when it comes to art and artists. I think they get very fearful of what do you think it is with no wrong answers when it comes to the Lord or his work. They feel it's already happening. They see it happening in religion with universalism on the rise and everybody makes it and one size fits all religion with no doctrine and no boundaries. So I think it's important for us as artists to not let subjective truth reign when it comes to the Bible or to the Lord. And again, that's, that's a, a difficult assignment. But if you and I endeavor to do that, to create a holy curiosity that will lead them into the presence of God, then I think we've done our job. Again, it's not a blunt instrument, like, get saved now! You know, it's not like that. It, when you and I can, and, and hopefully in our walk with Christ, we're experiencing this. And so we can portray that through our art. 
And I think we may be confident in the results of that. But church folks get really unsettled when it's like, who do you think Jesus is? And again, if we just leave it open-ended and walk away, I think that's why a lot of church folks kind of fear the, the uh, artistic realm. Artists need to be able to differentiate open interpretation in their art to objective truth when it comes to the gospel. We, we don't want to muddy the waters when it comes to their only hope of salvation. If, if in our art we're portraying that you are the answer, you yourself are the answer to your problems, we have most certainly done it incorrectly. That's as unbiblical as it gets. So when it comes to the essentials, let's at least create a curiosity that is true and leads people to Christ rather than away from him. And though we can't control the responses that people will have to what we make, again, it's all about intentionality. And we want to do everything we can to keep someone from missing out on eternity. We don't want someone to miss out on being with the Lord forever because they thought we were portraying that nice people make it to heaven instead of surrendered, repentant people. So in short, it's okay to give definition to the invisible sculpture. Paul did, and he came away with converts. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. Please share this with a friend. We want to expand our Madcast family. Uh, we also have a new email address for questions or comments about the podcast. You can email me at mattcastworld. That's all one word. Mattcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about all that we do in this ministry, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. <laughs>